You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Welcome to another episode of Uncensored. And before Dan even tells me, I'm going to tell you that it's brought to you by gunbroker.com. Thank you to Gunbroker. Yeah, see the jingle's catching on. It's catching on. I literally just told you that 30 seconds ago. No, you didn't. No, he didn't. Did anyone? There was no telling of things. You just... This is is what it's like working at at Go Wild. It doesn't count if you mention it off camera. I I didn't even know he was in the room. I have no (laughs) idea what you're talking about. Anyways, uh, as as Brad Luttrell said, uh, it was my idea to tell you that we are... Brought to you by GumBroker.com. Thank you to GumBroker for sponsoring this lovely show that you all show up to every week. And uh, make sure you're checking them out for all of your refills on deer season, getting ready for waterfowl, getting ready for small game, whatever whatever you're getting. Make sure you're checking out GumBroker because they have some amazing prices and uh, tons of new guns are sold through GumBroker. It is not just used, so make sure you check it out. we're going to get into some interesting stuff going on locally today, um, like, like regionally, I would say. There's some interesting things happening with Kentucky, so stick around to hear that. But I think we got a little bit of a recap. There was some, uh, you know, a couple of us got out, did some outdoorsy things. Um, I did hit up the suburban property. I was there two different days and it was funny because my wife was like why are you going tonight but she like she's been really cool she understands that I'm like in a mild depression at this point because I don't have venison and I I got myself here for passing on all these deers early in the season and these deer early in the season and here we are but uh so I was so determined that I went out in all that weather that was out on Saturday and I felt real dumb. No, wait a second. When you say all that weather, we need to clarify. Yeah, I'm going to read Tornado watch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I took my son to a basketball game, and then we came back, and I looked at it, and I'm like, I'm, I'm looking at the radar, and I'm like, I think there's 90 minutes. I think there's going to be a 90-minute window. It's going to be good because the, the deer are going to be like, oh, my God, this is crazy. And then I could see on the radar that little section where I was going to be was going to get a break for about 90 minutes. Well, I went out there, and uh, I get I go out. My, something that hit my cameras. I go fix my cameras, and it starts lightning, like like ungodly. And you, I don't know if you guys do this, but I count because you know sound yeah. travels. Like is a, that yeah. true? Yeah. Well, I mean, sound travels at a what, it's like three hundred uh, feet per second or something like that. Five hundred uh, feet per second. Well, either way, I usually count just to get an idea for how close it is. I we had that no, s- the same conversation. Nine hundred feet per second. Whatever it is, we I had it, this duck blind conversation. Oh, yeah. Looking at lightning and. Someone's like, that's seven miles away. And I was like, is that, like, I've always been told, is that true? I like think the lightning count I thing? think it is, but I'm not sure. I think everyone thinks it's a second, but it's not actually a second. Well, okay, either way, I was just, like, roughly counting it out. Because if it's, like, two seconds away, that's really freaking close, right? Yeah. And so, <laughs> that's definitely. so I, um... I get out there and it's like there's no gap. It's like, and I'm seeing the flashes and I'm like, okay, I feel like I shouldn't be here. So I go back and sit in my car for 45 minutes and I'm waiting on my gap and I'm like, this is it. You know, the rain had stopped. There's like drizzle and I've, I've got all my rain gear on and I go back out and I get out and it proceeds to rain like the hardest I have ever been rained on. Were you in the saddle? 
No, God, okay. no. I was not getting a tree. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's a great call. Yeah. 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 Tree, yeah. metal. Yeah. Highest point. In I the, had to see, like, Lieutenant Dan and Forrest Gump in the storms, you know, and he's, like, yeah. riding on the crow's nest. It would have been like that, man. Well, because there's not a lot of tall trees. That's true. You know, it's a – there's oh, a no, – that is, that is that is Forrest Gump. Yeah, he's, like, yelling at God. Yeah. And he goes and, like, swims into the He also ocean. does that in no Truman legs. Show. When, uh, when they try to kill him. The but, Have you seen Truman Show? Heck yeah. Okay. But this property is like all little trees, and then there's the big trees around the edge that would have been hanging <clears> in. I'm like, no, that'd be stupid. So I go out and sit, and it starts coming down like you wouldn't believe. It's so wet that I can't even check my phone to see what the radar is. And so I I sit there, and I'm like, okay, I need a break. I get a break, and that's just long enough to pull up my phone to realize that like it's coming back. And I'm like, oh, my God, it's changed. The weather's changed. It's stupid. So I sat in it for like another hour just getting doused and I left with 90 minutes of shooting line left and I get home and I swear to God, like the does I was, I was just trying to get dough cause I am literally just on meat crisis right now. I'm panicking and I, they're this three or four does come out and they're walking right to where I was sitting. I'm like, son of a, mm. so <laughs> nothing. I, I texted the guys like, I am such an idiot. I should have just like, but I mean, it was lightning, and I mean, and it was close. So I mailed it in. Uh, felt like deer meat wasn't worth dying for, which I still think was probably a good decision. But maybe I should have waited in the car instead of driving home. I then went back out the next morning and saw nothing. That's my story. Yeah, it's you're gonna the the cool part about this is you're gonna shoot a buck and you're gonna get a sick snow picture with a oh, buck. Did <laughs> I tell you? <laughs> That's did the I, bright side. Well, of did this. I? I don't know if I sent it. To, I think you were on the thread. I did that big beefy buck that showed up yeah he's yeah. He, i think i don't know if it's the one but the, his body is massive Jeez. like he he has he looks like he has little legs yeah. but what's funny is i couldn't see his antlers because the the something hit my camera and the camera was sagging down so all i can see is the base yeah. and the, it's like the tiniest amount of base but i'm like it's definitely a well if you see this you're like there's no way it's yeah. not a buck oh yeah um but beefcake but he showed up like three he's nocturnal and i'm like i don't i don't know if he's coming back i don't know i just at this late season game i'm not used to it yeah so i have no idea what i'm doing i feel like i'm starting over in deer hunting right now well, so totally that same different. spot that it, that's close to you that i said i saw a buck i saw it again i don't know midweek last week so they're still moving in daylight yeah might luck out well that's what i told my wife i'm like i just gotta be there like i they're unpredictable right now and I can't kill them here. Like, I just got to keep putting in time, and I know it sucks. But, I mean, what what makes me feel really dumb is, like, I passed on a probably 180-pound doe multiple times earlier this season because it was just hot, and I didn't want to deal with it. And I was, or I was like, got to be somewhere afterwards. And then Jacob, late in the season, was like, you know that that processor is right down the street. And I'm like, oh, God, no, I forgot about that. <laughs> like, I would have totally bagged a few. Cut to Brad next year, and you're like – tagged out in like week one i <laughs> you're gonna be like boom boom yeah boom, well boom. what's funny is i got offered to go hunt on this big farm near here because of this my wife was complaining to another school mom and she's like this is just brad's screwed himself he's not getting you know he, he's kind of missed his opportunity we're gonna starve this well, year. well she was like oh he can come hunt with my husband and and i was like i don't really want to hunt somewhere else now like i've figured this out and uh, so now I'm just kind of committed, but I'm like, I'm going to get out there early next year. I'm going to kill one in <clears> September. <throat> yeah. Yeah. Or at least like early October. Cause they were freaking patternable, man. I mean, it was like, I told you guys, it's like a tarp bus dropped them, a Metro bus dropped them off. So. Hate it for you. How was duck hunting? 
<laughs> <laughs> it was tough. And this was your second time duck hunting? So, yeah, this is that uh, quota hunt. That yeah, we did an episode last year on this hunt, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's a quota hunt. It's There's four of us. It's, like, me and Derek and then uh, two of his, one of his high school slash college buddies that went to college together, and then one of the guys that they met at, at college um, is the same group as last year. So I'm buddies with them now. It's cool to see them again from last year. Uh, but the way the quota hunt works is if one person, we all four put into the draw, if one person gets drawn, then you get to bring three people. So, and then if you don't get drawn, you get a point. And so the way the system works is like I've now put in for two years and not get drawn. I'll have two points coming into next year, and there's a good chance I'll get drawn. And it kind of this cycle kind of starts. Well, this year we got drawn twice. Mm. Two of the guys in the group got drawn. So we went to our, on our first hunt this past weekend, but we're also going to get to go in like mid January. This so we get two shots at this place. Um, this week is actually the first week of the actual uh, draws. And so they started hunting Wednesday. And so it was Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And we got drawn Saturday, Sunday. And so there's been guys out there hunting all these different spots. And uh, it's Ballard is is the name of the the place, um, the property. There's a huge duck refuge right next to, like, the draw spot. So whenever you get done hunting, you get to drive past it and see, like, do we just suck or were there, like, not that many ducks in the area? So the, the, we got down there Friday night. We had this, like, nice um, uh, house that we got on – Derek got on VRBO or whatever uh, that was 20 minutes away. We all got down there Friday night, woke up Saturday morning, went out, and you go to, like, this ch- station where they do this literal you, – you go up there, you sign in, and they give you a pill with a number on it, um, one, two, however many, gr- like, draw groups there are. And then there's a standby group as well. And so they – the way they manage it is there's tons of blinds just like already built. There's like cage blinds, pit blinds, there's walk-ins, which are literally just you walk into a field and um, there's a body of water or whatever. And so you go in, you give them your you know, information and they give you a number and they put it in a little thing. They roll it around like bingo and they pull out a number and then you get to go up there and pick, you know, I want, uh, you know, unit 99 or unit 105. Do you have like whatever. a redneck van of white? <laughs> that's that's drawing the number you could call david that yeah <laughs> they're super awesome there like it is such a well-managed place it's awesome uh you bet you go up there and then they draw your number and i'm the only one that cheers every time <laughs> like I, I was embarrassing them last year like it's three or like four something in the morning and like we get drawn and i'm like Woo! so yeah. there's a bunch of other people in there yeah. you guys don't it's like know. The, it's like all cheering like, at the dmv all like tough duck hunter dudes <laughs> yeah. like all ready to go tear them up and i'm in there eating their sausage biscuits yeah literally yeah and I like I spanked Derek one time. Oh, dude! <laughs> on one in front of everybody, he turned around and like looked at me all pissed off. Yeah. <laughs> it was funny. Um, and surprised they still I, invite you. I know, I know. It's, I got the points now. So yeah, I'm that's true. In. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, and so they, uh, but yeah, so we actually got drawn. I think it was third the first day and like fifth the second day. But we actually got we got our number one spot the first day and our number two spot the second day. You basically like look at all the spots that are available. You go through the map and you pick out like, yeah. I want to go here, there, whatever. And since we had some pins from last year's hunt, Derek had kind of a frame of reference and he went out and hunted North Dakota, which well, there was an episode on that too. I believe we did one. On that. Mm-hmm. If not, he absolutely like slayed for a week out there. They were having to eat ducks cause their possession limit was <laughs> so high that they wanted to kill ducks the next day. And so like he's, He's kind of got this whole thing figured out a little bit, and Kentucky's just not a fantastic place to duck hunt. Um, it, you know, and Ballard is arguably one of the best places. Yeah, I was it's gonna like the, say you're in the best area, the farthest west 
part of Kentucky. I closest mean, to that flyway, right? Yeah, which is closest to the flyway. And so it's super early season. We knew it was going to be tough. The first day we go out, um, there's a pit blind, and you're supposed to be, like, right there on the water. But they hadn't been flooding the fields for that long, so uh, it was too far off the water. Um, so it was right next to a cornfield uh, that they're starting to flood, and there's, like, a pretty good chunk of water, not near as much as the map had shown. And so we basically, we got there, looked at the pit blind. Derek's like, this isn't going to work. Like, we got to go find somewhere else. So we, like, walked through the water and went to the other side and set out all the decoys and everything. And we just stood and, like, kneeled and sat in the in the mud in a cornfield. Um, and it was it was cool. Like, for me, it's always cool. Like, I, I don't see ducks all the time. And so I'm like, man, we're seeing a lot of ducks. And Derek's like, we're not seeing a lot of ducks, dude. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, out in North Dakota, they're, like, hunting just holes full of ducks. And they're like, oh, that's a that's – a, that's a diver. We're not going to shoot that duck. Like out there, we're like anything that is yeah. a duck is getting shot. And um, we had these new – Derek bought all these uh, Boss Bismuth uh, shotgun shells, which Bismuth is apparently like best of the best type stuff. And uh, we're joking that we're going to be able to shoot them like way, way out. We're going to sky blast and kill all these ducks and all this stuff. And I shot four shells that day. I think Derek shot two or three, Bardo shot two or three, and Quentin shot two. And of the two Quentin shot, he shot the only duck we shot that day and the only duck we shot on the trip. Uh, it was it was tough, man. Like, we had – we were kind of close to the woods, so we had these one ducks that would, like uh, – they would kind of buzz behind us, like – fighter jets like super fast and then kind of circle around and buzz in front of us super fast so they'd just be like cruising and we'd be like and like not even like we're shooting way behind them probably um and none of us had shot these shells before so we didn't really know how much to lead them and all that but the one that quentin shot was one that came in and landed it was a diver duck and it landed in a flooded field which they don't do that like, like we kind of cleaned up the gene pool because this was a super dumb diver duck. <laughs> like he came and landed, and Bardo was like, I'm going to go try to, I think he called it, like, jump shoot it. Um, yeah. Where you kind of go over there, and you, like, sneak over, and then you jump up and shoot it, like, when it takes off, when it sees you. Well, he got over there, and it jumped up and flew and flies, like, over Quentin's head. And he sees this thing, and I'm like, you know, you have to stay within 25 feet of each other. So we're, we're real close. And I see this thing flying and he sees it too. He just tracks it and like right above him, like 12 feet off his barrel. It's just like, shoots this thing, folds it right there. It was really cool. Uh, that's what duck hunting is like most of the day in like really cool spots, uh, with a bunch of ducks. But, uh, so that was the only duck that we shot and killed. Uh, it was a, a ring, a ring neck, uh, which Derek called a trash duck, a gumbo duck. Where you, they, they apparently taste horrible. Um, he's like, don't tell your wife it's a trash duck. Just put it in the gumbo and put it in there with a bunch of, like, chicken and sausage, and uh, it'll be all right. Uh, but I've heard was, those divers aren't great. Yeah, he said they're terrible. Uh, but I've never had one, uh, and I would have I eaten one if I got it, but uh, didn't. So that was the first day. And the second day, we went out, and we were in this cage blind that was, like, really brushed in, super nice blind, really comfortable. We got to, like, sit on a bench, and we're in this, like, long – uh, long flooded field and there the the flooded area was split in half into two units and so there was a group of dudes that were like 200 yards away from us at the end one end of the flooded area we were on the other 
and had our decoys out and everything and like before shooting light there's ducks coming in landing like in front of us and around us and in between where they were and we were and Derek's like uh so when shooting light starts nobody shoot unless it's literally like a dead to rights duck like it's sitting right in front of us and you're going to shoot it on the water or like it is flying right up cupping like giving itself up right there because if they shoot down there before we do it's going to push whatever ducks are closest to them right in front of us and we're going to get to just light them up and so we're sitting there and it was kind of like a standoff like (laughs) neither one of us is shooting we both know that they're like both groups know there's probably ducks and so apparently they had good chances at ducks and they shot before us and exactly what Derek said a bunch of ducks come flying by and we're like none of us hit anything (laughs) yeah when you say a bunch of ducks like what would you guess how many i mean at a time there would be like groups of like six or something like that i mean i don't know that's definitely i mean it's not a bunch all these duck hunters are sitting there like you're an idiot laughing at me i guess but it it was what it was and when we drove by the refuge there was like hardly any ducks either i mean there's just it's super early season early in the season there was like it was 60 degrees the first day second day was there was a cold snap it was like getting down into the 30s but talking to bardo he's like you really needed to like drop off and be cold for a few days like this weekend (laughs) yeah like when the when the water's starting to lock up and they're like kind of they're moving a lot more um but the cold snap he was saying probably pushed a lot of the ones that were there down south because the first day there was way more ducks in the refuge than the second day um and then the second day we like drove up and you have to drop this little card off to say how many times you shot because they do all these statistics at the check-in of like you know shots per dead bird and you know total shots fired and all this stuff that they do for their surveys and stuff and when we got there another truck got there and they had a boat and one of the dudes was walking up when Derek was walking up to the little like mailbox to drop the card off and dude naturally he's like how'd it go and he was like uh you know not great and you know we shot a few times and didn't shoot anything and um the guy was like, yeah, we didn't even fire a shell. So they took their whole boat, like super nice, blind, all this stuff on the boat. Like you could tell they had like an expensive setup and they went out there, took it, and didn't even shoot a freaking duck. So Or didn't even shoot, shoot one. Duck. That's always yeah. nice though when you know that it's not just you guys. It's well, that's <clears> what <throat> the refuge kind of like gives you that, gives that away of like if there's not a there's ton not of ducks there. in the refuge, that means that there's just not a whole lot of them in the area. It was cool though because we got to see like – some gorgeous uh drake mallards that flew fairly close to us so you could see like the green head like super orange feet like white belly it was really like they flew real close on a couple where it looked like they were going to circle and land and so you're like basically saying like hey don't shoot unless they land or like are are cupping up to land so that you have like a really good chance to shoot them and we had some like iffy opportunities to shoot at them but decided to wait because it looked like they were going to land we're going to have better chances down the down the line when they came back hoping they would give us like a great chance at them and so bring some more in or something too yeah they were pretty close but it still would just i mean it's just they're you know your shot's not going super far and it's not lethal out super far and so you're trying to be smart about the shots you take and stuff so yeah that was do it man it sounds it's, fun. Dude, though. duck hunting compared to deer hunting. Like, deer hunting is fun for a different reason. Like, duck hunting is fun because it's you and the dudes in the blind. You don't have to be quiet. Yeah. Like, you're just sitting there messing around. Like, you know, it, it was it, – we called it – it's just like a fun boys weekend. Yeah. Like, it was just chilling with the guys. We're eating venison and bear meat and, you know, hanging out at the house and whatever, shooting guns a little bit. Like, 
that part's cool. But for Derek, who's ruined by North Dakota, was like, this is horrible duck hunting. <laughs> like this, we hardly saw any ducks, and so yeah. I feel was, like uh, <clears throat> any kind of bird hunting is like a roller coaster level of fun, whereas uh, you know it gets like high energy. Like when when it's good, mm-hmm. you're getting a lot of <clears throat> cheap entertainment. I don't want to say cheap entertainment. It's just like rapid fire. Dove hunting's like that too. Yeah. Um, you know, when you're seeing them, it's in, it's insanity, and you know you're drinking beers, you're sitting around, hanging out with your buddies, talking loud. You don't even wearing camo when you're dove hunting, but it's <laughs> yeah. a lot of the same like vibe. But then deer hunting is like running a marathon. Yeah, it's like fun of. afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah. you reflect back on it. You're like, that was great. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Uh, you fished this weekend, right? Yeah, I went for a little <clears throat> bit. They just stocked the the creek here in Louisville, uh, Floyd's Fork. Did you uh, see that they're adding like a huge section of broad run? They just no. announced it today. They're like they they got more land, <clears throat> really a ton more land. I looked at it. It's almost. I think it's going to double the size of Broad Run. Sweet. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So <clears throat> they they stocked it this past week, and um, the kids were kind of they're already getting cabin fever, you know, yeah. cold and stuff. So we just tried to get them out that morning, and Liz wanted to take them on a bike ride. She's like, "But if you want to go fish, since they just stopped, go for it." So of course, I jumped on that opportunity. Um, as most weeks go, when they stock fish here, there's a ton of people within a hundred yard stretch of the Creek. And so I maybe fished a 30 yard section of, of the Creek and, uh, hooked one pretty good size, like little stalker trout. And I stripped it in, you know, probably three or four times and it got off the hook. So mm. it was, I mean, a lot of pressure, water was still low. This rain we just got will help that, but you know, really clear water and low is just tough. So uh I wanna I wanna move sorry about your fish. Uh I wanna move on. Um <laughs> yeah. That's probably the wasn't, smoothest transition yeah. you've ever done. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's real good. This is a professional Sick, show here. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, I, yeah. I didn't know if we were gonna land one story. At, at yeah. the end of every story we should just be like, sorry about your duck. Sorry about your fish. Sorry yeah. about other news. Deer. Yeah. <laughs> um, sorry about your sad story there. Uh, speaking of other sad stories, you were saying that, um, well, the, 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 one of these may, may or may not be a sad story, depending on your perspective. One of them is definitely not a great situation, but I saw this too. Uh, tell us about the CWD. Did you read that story? Yeah, so Kentucky had its first case of, confirmed case of CWD. And was it two deer? I think it was two deer, and I don't know if they were that you know some places on along the borders they'll have check stations. Mm-hmm. Certain counties you have to like check your deer. I don't know if if it got picked up at a check station, or if this hunter was kind of suspicious and voluntarily sent it in, or had someone look at I it. I do think certain counties in Kentucky have um, some some amount of testing they've been doing because there's like two or three spots that they've been watching on yeah. the border. Was yeah. this out in Western Kentucky? Southwest. I'm guessing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, not too far. Yeah, so there. I don't know. I don't know if it was some hunter being proactive and being like, "I shot this deer and it looks pretty sickly. Maybe it should be tested for CWD." But either way, it came back as positive. And I'm not sure if it was the same hunter with two deer or I know it was two deer in the same county. Uh, but so it's starting to creep in, and that was something that Kentucky was kind of. Kind of like the feral hog thing. Kentucky's well, been kind of uh, lucky in avoiding. Well, apparently we haven't avoided that. And, you know, it's interesting. I was reading about this, and Kentucky Fish and Wildlife doesn't want you to shoot them. Um, feral hogs. You're right. 
And yeah. it's interesting. It reminded me of, I don't know if you guys ever listened, you know, our buddy Brandon Butler was on Meat Eater back when he worked at the Missouri Conservation. God, I'm going to butcher the, what was that group? Missouri Conservation. Anyways, Brandon worked with this um, group that was working on trapping the hogs. And the episode on Meat Eater, if I remember, Judas. it's the Judas hog, Judas hog. And it's like episode 70 something. I'm um, not even going to begin to guess. Yeah, I feel like it's 77. You guys can tell me if I'm right later. Um, but the, they talk about how the hunting was being counterproductive. And I kind of forgot about this because when I saw that Kentucky Fish and Wildlife was asking people not to shoot them, I'm um, like, why? Well, we don't want these things. Like, why would you not? But apparently the pig is so smart that they the the state was saying that every every shot you take at one and miss, they get more aware of hunters and, and better at avoiding hunters and it exponentially impacts their ability to trap them, which reminded me of Brandon though with the Judas hog. Do you remember how that worked? Like the, basically, what the the is it the Sounder? Is that what they call the? I don't remember. All the Sounder's details. the group, right? So, yeah, uh, but, so, but the Judas hog basically is the one that, that leads gives them, them up. Yeah. yeah, and like leads them into the trap, right? Yeah. And they have the. Have you ever seen these traps, Brandon? <clears throat> uh, that it's like a trap that's like. It's not what you're thinking of, like, with this big door that hammers down. It's like a spiral, if I remember correctly, that they kind of keep walking into, and then they get to a point where they can't get back out. Like a corral kind of? Yeah, kind of, but it's almost like a lobster trap concept where so they, they can't work themselves They can back go in, out. but they can't get back out. Interesting. And the Judas hog is the one that, like, pulls the rest of them in, you know, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I think the other thing with the pigs, have you guys ever heard of the, the, uh, the cobra problem in India? Or the Barbara Streisand effect? You guys ever heard of that? I've ones? heard of the Barbara Streisand effect, but so it's kind of like the Barbara Streisand effect. But it's this famous case of I think it was the '60s or '70s, and India had a huge cobra problem. So they're like, "Well, we'll start rewarding people." Kind of like how you know how like Florida, if you shoot an iguana, they'll there's like a reward or like a, yeah. a boa constrictor, uh, anaconda. So in India, they're like, "Well, we'll start." having bounties on cobras and if you kill a cobra it's you know five rupees or whatever and so people just started breeding cobras yeah oh. and oh, and no. and once the state realized that people were just breeding cobra, and they, they were like breeding them like out in a field they'd have a pen and they would breed them and then so the state was like okay well we're, we're not paying you for these cobras anymore so people were just leaving those pens unattended and the cobras all got out. And uh, so the cobra problem ended up being five times worse than it was at the beginning because they were incentivizing people to hunt them, to kill I, them. I think There's, that's kind of the yeah. problem in Texas when you start reading about it. Like the the people are making a living on it There's now. There's a business yeah. built They're, around it. And yeah. so built an economy around gone, it. Then I think that's part of it with Kentucky. I think if if – they were like, hey, we're going to make it legal to shoot these wild hogs. There would be people who were like, you know what? Maybe I could. It's I've not got illegal. That's the thing. They're saying don't shoot them. So I thought it's it legal. It's, I'm, I read I, – I dug into this afterwards, and they are asking you to not shoot them, but I could not find that it was illegal. Yeah, I don't know. I know they're, they're not know a native. Because they don't want to protect it. I know public land you can't. You can't hunt wild hog. I, if you see them, you're just supposed to call them into the fish and wildlife. I, I, I'm, I may be reading it wrong, but I was... I don't know about private land, though. I was reading... It wasn't clear, and I felt like it was kind of ambiguous on purpose, but it said we, we request that you don't shoot them, not that you can't. It was interesting, so... Yeah. All right, so you're hunting private land and a hog walks out. I mean, there's not many farmers that aren't going to shoot that hog. Yeah, right, because they absolutely will... 
destroy your property. But That's I think since they're not a native, they're not a managed game species though. Mm. So I don't think there's any like technically uh, there's not a law around them. I don't know. So once that once they have laws around them, they got to manage them. Like I don't know. It puts I, I'm I'm kind of getting out of my element here, but I'm pretty sure like once they have some kind of rules around it, then there's a management expectation. And even though they're managing it now because it's non-native, I when I looked it up. I'm Googling it now. Dan's Googling it now. But when I looked it up, it it literally said it was not a game species, but it was like a request to not shoot them. Hmm. And I'm not telling anybody in Kentucky to go do something without researching because what are you doing with your headphones? This is not legal. Completely. I didn't want to stop. Mine's like completely shut up. I didn't know if you guys can still hear Uh, you. Yeah, we're fine. Um, I can hear you in mine. Yeah, I think you're recording. Braden's got some professional. Yeah, you know? Braden's got some weird going go on, on with his headset there. I, so I couldn't sorry. hear you guys like in any way, so I just took one off. Yeah, I'm like a DJ. But with this, while Dan looks that up to see if I'm left, right, or wrong or whatever, um, the CWD thing is interesting though. I, I've like that makes me nervous. I mean, I really hope that it is a slow. You know, it's going to come in eventually, but like hopefully it is a slow progression. I don't know what you can really do to stop it though. No, not without easy. It's it's transmitted between saliva. Yeah. So you're right. It says uh, Kentucky Fish and Wildlife discourages wild pig hunting and does not share wild pig location information. They say when hunted, pigs leave the area and become nocturnal. And it is illegal to hunt wild pigs at night. Hmm. Um, They say free professional trapping services to anyone experiencing damage from wild pigs trapping wild pigs is the most efficient method of eradication so you're right it does sound like they do not they do not condone hunting it but it's not illegal yeah. to hunt for the it. record i'm not saying you should hunt one cuz i i am like one of my biggest beliefs we should listen to our state biologist so I, if that's what they say to do i think you should I, my my point was it was just interesting the way it was worded and uh, I'm sure our friends at Kentucky Fish and Wildlife could tell us, you know, tons about this. I always love talking to those guys. But when I read it, it was interesting to me that it was not – it was a request, not necessarily that it's a law. It's but, cool that they're offering free trapping services too. I wonder if that's a thing that they do everywhere uh, to just be like, hey, if you're having a problem, don't kill it. We'll take care of it, and it won't exasperate well, the issue. Hopefully they're campaigning, like getting the word out around, like I said, farmers. Like if well, a farmer sees a pig and doesn't know – like what's going on like they're gonna kill that pig well it makes sure. total sense for them to do that though because yeah. they're they're opportunists they're gonna wipe out anything on the ground and yeah. it's not just vegetation right. like pigs will eat literally everything the property damage uh but the, like the overall habitat destruction it goes like it's gonna destroy everything kentucky fish and wildlife works yeah. for, towards so everything so. i read about it they were saying this is the worst of every invasion invasive species that has come to america this is by far the worst oh one. yeah dude they they can take down barns yeah. Like they root so hard and they'll get in and go along wow. the edge of a barn that they can literally pull a barn down <laughs> when, when they, when they get in there. Um, if you ever like just Google when we're done, you can Google the like pig damage and what they do to like, there's nothing left. There's absolutely nothing left. They're not a casual grazing animal. Like yeah. it's absolutely rooted. They'll eat down past the roots. It's, it's a, it's insane how, how deep they root down. Yeah. So sad times, Kentucky is. Getting the CWD, getting the wild pigs, all those things that other states have been having to deal with for a while and we've been kind of sheltered from. Because I feel like the wild pig thing, that's pretty bad in Tennessee, right? They got a huge... There's more. I don't know if it's bad. Um, yeah. We've had them for a long time because I, I knew someone five years ago that had sold a property at a certain part of Kentucky because of the pig problem that mm-hmm. he had on his property. Um, you know who this is. 
I will we'll talk about later. I don't want to like say a location because apparently they don't want you naming locations. But um, the other thing that you were talking about, real quick, let's do. Oh, cell cams. Yeah. So they are Kentucky Fish and Wildlife is debating talking about uh, not allowing cell cams, so not trail cams, but cellular cameras on uh, public land on wildlife. What's the pro? So I think talking with Braden, and I was kind of ignorant to it, I think the pro is generally people are setting them up during their hunt to get additional information of where, where deer might be to inform their hunt on the day of the hunt. Um, I mean, I'm guessing. That, I, that, I, that's, that that's, is out west. That's, I mean, they have rules around that. That of and like, woods trash is what people call them. Is like people just leave them out there and now mm. it's litter. That's true, but they sound like they're not uh, they are not talking about banning just normal non-cellular tra- trail cams. They but, say you have to put your name on it and I think your hunter identification number on the camera, but it's still fine to set them up and go out and pull cards. It's one of those things, though, like other states. I know of one for sure that started with cell cameras and then not long after trail did away cameras. with all trail cameras. So it's one of those things where it's Slippery like... Slippery slope. Potentially, I guess, it would yeah. be the thing. But it's like, my, my question in that is like, is Kentucky seeing that like too many mature deer are getting killed and so we need to even the odds? Like, because those those two things... Like, the litter thing, I guess maybe if it's becoming a huge problem in place. I don't hunt Kentucky. I don't know what it's like. Um, maybe that is a huge issue. But on the other side, like, the getting too much information to the hunter, is there so much, like, hunter participation where they're killing so many mature bucks that they're worried that, too, like, the population is in danger? And so we need to kind of back down the capability of the hunter so that less mature deer are killed? Because the cell cameras are helping people kill more big deer. Like, that for sure is happening. Like, what... Why Why would they be going that route other than potentially being misinformed of like, you know, oh, it's like shooting fish in a barrel or something? Because I can tell you from personal experience, I have cell cameras out in public land in Indiana and I haven't shot a giant deer in my life. That, so. in my experience with public land in Kentucky, is you don't have cell service. So if you're out in the woods, you know, you're not going to be getting live updates. That is know. the case on a lot of our public land. Yeah, mine, it's like maybe it'll catch a cell tower <laughs> in the <laughs> middle of the night and I'll get a dump of, you know, two days worth of photos at once. But usually when I'm, where I'm setting up trail cams, it's yeah, very Yeah, like little. where I uh, slice my oil pan. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I had to walk four and a half miles to get picked up because there was no cell service. And that, that property, there's very well, little service. And you that, couldn't run a cell camera. And that's there. kind of the thing with the trash and litter argument is that's probably the biggest section of public land, and it's all strip mines, you know, right? So it's not like it's some pristine nature habitat it's all roads logging roads and strip mined areas and stuff yeah now you shouldn't leave your trash the strip mine i would argue that it's cleaner than a lot of what you'd run into i mean it's like well maintained i mean i I know i'm from there i've been on the strip mines my whole life um i mean you'll find like dumps in it every now and then but i mean i would argue that it's good habitat yeah, I'm not saying. I mean, not we reintroduced I'm, I'm the largest not. elk population east of the Mississippi on strip mines. That's true, but I'm. But what I'm saying is, it's not like it's like it's not like a 
It's not like the rainforest. It's not like an untouched by man. Actually, the a- Appalachia is the most biodiverse. Oh, my uh, gosh. I'm just saying, man. Oh, yeah, we, I, I, okay. Anyways, I, I feel like it's not the trash argument. I feel no. like it's the – I, like I don't it, either. We should probably figure out what that is because like, I feel like I'm arguing about something. Like I don't even know what Well, the I was more asking, like, what, what do you guys think are the pros and cons of this? Yeah. It was my curiosity. Here's well, my thing. My, it, go ahead. I have a question, though. <clears throat> Why is more mature deer being shot? A problem, right? If the numbers That's are staying at a sustainable rate, is it is it truly a decision backed by like the wildlife biologists are saying like, man, we're just having way too many deer killed. Like we we better even the odds. Like if that's something, then like, okay, I appreciate that they started with trail cameras and not compound bows or rifles or something like that. And they're like, to me, you would just change the 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 tag limit. Yeah, yeah, right. But Kentucky's somebody, a one buck state, right? Yeah. If somebody's shooting an immature duck or buck because they haven't found a nice mature buck, that seems to be more of an issue if right. we're going to, you know, lessen their odds of finding something mature. I agree with you. As far as the <clears throat> cons go, and I'm just speaking from what I think would happen to me if I can go out and scout and gather that information in advance, is I feel like everyone would just stack up on the obvious spots, uh, you know, like mm-hmm. if if you can't be like, well, I wonder what about this spot or what about this spot? No activity here. Oh, activity here. If you're just having to walk around and scout or, uh, you know, just look at maps before you go to a public area, that just seems like everyone would be kind of going to the most obvious areas. I, I, I'll This might be controversial. I don't know that trail cameras give you as much of an advantage as people think you do because if I give random Joe – who's not a great hunter or camera, just because they go set one up doesn't mean they see anything. It's like fishing. I mean, like 90% of the animals are on 10% of land, right? Like they're coming through very specific spots. Here's what I say about that, though. If with a normal trail camera, if you go set it somewhere and you're like, I'm going to go check that before I hunt, you know, in September for you guys or whatever, like if it's out there for two months, you don't know over that span of two months if you're getting deer on that camera. But if it's a cell camera, after three weeks, if you have zero pictures of deer, you're going to go out and say, like, there's not deer in that area. I'm going to go move it. Yeah, you know that's I mean? kind of what I was. Yeah, but but that guy, the guy that goes and moves his camera every three weeks is still working harder than anyone, like the average person. Yeah, you know, I, yeah like, I would say. I would. Say, I, I think cell cameras give you an advantage over I think there's an advantage. Camera. I'm not arguing that. that. I'm just, like, to me... I don't know. I'd be interested. I, I need to read more about this. I wasn't prepared for this because Dan dropped it on us like right as we were about to start. And I was like, oh, we should talk about that. But my only thing with I, – I don't necessarily agree with people that will hunt like a 100-acre spot and, you know, you're on one side and you see that your buck's on the other one and you're like, oh, I'm going to go shoot him now. Like walking up – like real-time updates I think are not fair. It, well, what, well, what about the fact that they're only saying that it will be illegal on public land and on private land you can still do it? Uh, I mean, it seems to me like public land already has the reputation of being way harder than private land. Kentucky's got a lot of stuff like that. You can bait on private land. Yeah, um, and yeah right. I, like you'd think they'd go after stuff like that before they would go after. I just the people. but we don't like, know what the cause. What is it? I think it's that's like the, it's like ninety five percent of deer are killed on private land. Why? Are, why are we going? If it's is that a, real? Yeah, it's on Spartan Forge. I was looking at it in Indiana. It's like over ninety percent of the bucks killed in Indiana were killed on hmm. private. I don't know if that date is accurate or not. Yeah. I haven't been on I, it in a while. But. I want to know who initiated this because if it – I'm going to probably throw up like kind of a, a a jerky question response about this. 
I feel like there's been more newsworthiness of come hunt Kentucky or I went and hunt in Kentucky. I came from out of state. I'm going to Kentucky for a hunt this year. Tags are easier to get. Is there pressure from someone that is staking claim to their state of not wanting mm. out of towners to be able to come and see what's Dude, here before be they it. come into the state and hunt because this, Hey, you're, you're encroaching on my turf. Yeah. It's public land, but there's not, there's a lot in Kentucky, but there's not a ton and I just wonder if there was someone that started pushing the right people, had the right kind of pool on the public land side of it and saying that they wanted to protect their spots by doing this because there's more out-of-towners. That's a, I could totally see that kicking off this whole thing. I it's will say what's funny point. is uh, I end up right back where Dan was making a point, but the deer population where a majority of Kentucky's public is, which I think – I don't know how much we have out West, but I mean, if you look at the public land on the East side, it's gotta be the majority of the States public. It's huge. And I, w- I would guess almost 50% of that's out of cell phone range. Yeah. That's phone I, range. I mean, I've just, I've been through a bunch of it. And, and to your and, point, I mean, are you thinking that an out of town or maybe if they're 30 minutes, you know, right on the border of Kentucky, but if you got someone, when I did my land between the lakes hunt, uh, the guys that were there in my little area were up from Alabama. Like, do you think that there are a lot of people come from Alabama to hunt that spot? But do you think that they're coming up, you know, every a few month, weeks, a month earlier? Oh, to yeah. Set up cameras. I have multiple friends that come from Alabama to hunt out there and they are up there scouting at least once a month. There, there, I feel like there is much more emphasis placed on out of town, public land hunts, public land hunting in general yeah. is more talked about. There's, there's a lot of stuff on social media, but big just, bucks being taken in public. See, I don't know, I, but it, like I, the lever you're pulling, I don't know if it's <clears throat> or the right lever. And I'm, I'm kind of just riffing here, uninformed. So if I'm an idiot, I'm an idiot. But like, why not make tags more expensive? Why not like the out of state? Like if that, if you're trying to do that, like, what's the actual market value of those tags? Like, raise the prices and see if people slow down on on buying the tags, or, or maybe, you know, change the change it to a different system if that's what you maybe like. Maybe it's an idea that it puts out-of-towners and locals on the same playing field with no cell cameras and maybe it's a play to get more out-of-town tags sold what that was gonna, make more money what i was going to say a second ago i didn't finish my thought so i mentioned that m- most of like all throughout eastern kentucky a lot of that stuff is not going to ha- have good cell phone range but also that's where like i think that's zone um four yeah it's zone four because zone one and two we hunt in zone one zone two is another really good deer section like it's just it's almost like you can shoot does until the end of time. He literally like, is. You can just keep tags up, as you want. Yeah, buy. you just want to keep buying tags. You can shoot shoot does. Um, the out there, you have um, the limits are a lot more strict. You can't shoot a doe in gun season um, at all, like with archery or whatever. Um, and there, the buck population is just weaker. So it's like I could see if it's a private land versus public land, like maybe there's something that they're focused on on trying to get the overall population back up, but I mean, we killed a record amount of deer last year and I I, I would guess it's pretty high this no, year. Was. They released the numbers. Yeah, it was down a little it. bit, but it was I mean, it was down high. off of the peak ever though. Yeah. yeah it's yeah, a it really interesting high. level level to pull when most most deer, it may not be 95%. Most deer are killed on private land objectively, for sure. That's a fact why wouldn't you go after baiting? Why wouldn't you go after something like that? Where like, it's, it's going to have a much bigger, maybe they don't want to have a huge impact. Maybe they're trying to have a little impact, but like to go and say, like, let's say it's 20% of deer are killed on public land. 
you're going to go go over where it's like more difficult to find a spot and kill a big mature deer and you're going to go try to limit that like and then end of that point next point we promise we'll do some research and come back next week and talk about this with some information. I would love to, <laughs> know, well. I would love to know what kicked it off. Well, yeah, I, I got another, be, re- I got another be, reason. Maybe there was too much confrontation between hunters around cameras on public land, and that's Great. what kicked it off. That's there's point. no way to know. I, I could see that. Um, yeah, I could see someone, you know, some really great spot. And someone setting up a trail cam on it and be like, that's my trail cam. This is my spot on the day of yeah. a mm-hmm. hunt or 100%. whatever. The western states, a lot of them have a lot more strict rules around communication, though. Like, you can't – I might be wrong, but isn't there a state where you can't even text, like, oh, co- to coordinate a move? Oh, uh, uh, like that. any digital on, tools Yeah, I, 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 I might be wrong. I know – I'm pretty sure they regulate – radios yes but i feel like there might even be like you're not allowed to have any kind of communication like because otherwise i could help you stalk right like i'll think about west like you're making a 200 yard stalk on an animal i might be wrong again we're talking really off the cuff here because this got brought up right before the show we should have brushed up a little bit but um we'll do a follow-up i'm I'm just kind of like if the the most sensible argument to me is fair chase like if because again i've seen i've seen people post about this um, on social media of, I saw that he was at my spot and I just walked up over the hill and there he was. And I shot him and it's like, that wasn't very fair chase. You know, it's like that, that to me, like the real time, uh, communication of a trail camera is not fair. But like the reason for fair chase is to limit the amount of deer that are killed each year is like the, uh, no, the reason for fair chase is just like sporting ethics to me. I I get, I agree with the sentiment of that but i think like the reason that it exists and where there's the rules around it is to limit like yeah. we're trying to make sure that there's a certain amount of deer killed each year like I you don't have too are, little you I, don't have too many i, would, I, would, I think those are mutually exclusive but i feel like most mutually people exclusive. there yeah they're like i don't think one impacts the other i think their chase doesn't I, impact i, I no, sorry i think i think the reason for doing one is not the reason for doing the other i'd like to me fair chase is like it's the right thing to do it's the ethical yes. thing to do to give that animal a fair chance all all of the regulations aside for how many deer we need or not like fair chase is always fair chase yeah and then the regulation side of it is like okay this is what we need to do to maintain a healthy habitat to like have numbers that are appropriate for our habitat Uh, i said healthy uh, healthy ecosystem is what i meant but them getting involved to regulate something for the reason of fair chase doesn't really make sense unless there's a reason to regulate the deer herd right like i don't know i mean i mean not I mean, I think when you're getting into ethical issues, I would, I'm just making this number off the top of my head, but I would imagine 90% of the people that are using cell cams are not using them for live updates during their hunt. And I don't, and I don't think you do either. You're not checking a cell cam. I mean, up until last week, uh, actually this hunt I um, was on, I realized I needed to change my uh, updates when I, because of this challenge, yeah. um, because I've never had two cameras and I, I'm usually sitting over my camera that's out there. And this is the first time I ever, I got a, I was, when I was out there this weekend, I got a notification and I was like, oh, I wonder if something's at that camera. And I was like, oh, that's bad. Like, I don't want to do yeah. that, you know? And, and as far as being a new hunter, and if you want to go from the angle of trying to get more people to get into hunting and, you know, increase the hunter base, for me, setting up cell cams and seeing deer on camera and having an unsuccessful hunt would be much different than not having a cell cam or a trail cam and having an unsuccessful hunt because at least with the cell cam i know that there are deer in the woods 
and I just need to get a little bit better as a hunter, where if I don't have that information that there's even deer there, it'd be much harder to really get into the sport if if you just have no intel to go off of. I want to clarify, when I said mutually exclusive, I meant the reason for making the decision. I think your point was that one has an impact on the other, right? Like that, yes. which is totally true. Okay, yeah. cool. Just I, was, to clarify, I was sitting here like... I know. I, <laughs> well, I, I'm, I don't... I, my, my thing was like, I think you make decisions for sporting um, and then there's decisions for, for habitat and one could impact the other, but I think like you make the decision on its own accord, yeah. if that makes sense. Okay. Well, I just love how we're like, let's have a, we I usually know. do these in the morning. We're doing it at the end of the day and we're like, well, this will be a quick 30 minute podcast. 47 minutes in. Yeah. All right. Well, it's a good topic. I want to, um, I want to figure out the motivations for it. I think yeah, that'll we'll, really help us not, all. Uh, Dan brought this up right as we sat down and we're like, don't say another word. We'll hash it out on the podcast. What we hashed out is we're all dumb. Bunch of uninformed yeah, idiots. Bunch of uninformed well, idiots. We all have <laughs> yet another podcast where we got people just that, ramble. And we all have totally different experiences. You okay. know, I'm, I'm public land. You're public land ish. You're mostly private land. You're very private land. So it's all totally different scenarios as far as there's not one way for everyone to hunt. You know, the person that, like you, who's the property you hunt is 20 minutes away from your house is very different than me where I'm only allowed to be there one weekend and it's three hours away. Yeah. I mean, so. I've hunted all of these scenarios and getting totally empathized with all of it. So, yeah. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll get informed before the next one and and uh, come back with some actual insights into this. But um, we'd love to hear what you guys think. Should you know? How do you feel? Um, I feel like we have a lot of Eastern states guys that uh, guys and gals that listen to this. So let us know what you think. Um, I thought of a uh, nice little <clears throat> part-time side gig that if they get rid of cell cameras on public land, they're getting rid I'm of drones. S- Wait a second. <laughs> I'm going to start a business running card cameras where i just go out and pull cards and send them to people (laughs) something on that point real quick of like regulating this a lot of times the reason that traditional trail cameras follow the cell camera thing is it's difficult to tell a lot of times like on the face if that's a cell camera that's a traditional Mm -hmm. camera and so since it gets difficult to regulate the problem now becomes like is that a cell camera or is that a traditional camera? And then they just do away with it all because they've all agreed on this issue with cell cameras. You really can't go back on that. Mm. So now you have to go the next step and remove. So keep that in mind when you're thinking about the fair the chase. Big-ass and antenna all this doesn't stuff. give it away on this. Uh, look it up. I There's articles. Some, you are there read. some that don't? Yeah, this is a legitimate. I'm not out of my butt here. I don't know what state, but this is a legitimate uh, yeah. reason for that. Come back to Jacob's idea, the more I think about it, what if you had a business and any teenagers looking for a side hustle and you own the cameras yeah, and for a monthly about. fee, yeah. you just text me a pin of where you want the camera to go and I go set up the camera for you. I'll pull the card for you. Yeah. That's what I was meaning. Like you're you're leasing my cameras and I'm I'm pulling the cards. That's like it's like kind of like the Uber of trail cameras. Yeah, it's such a good business idea. Mm-hmm. Copyright. Copyright. To incorporate that. Goober. <laughs> Dude. That's, that's almost as good as blow poke. Oh, man. All right. Uh, let inside us know. Inside joke on a podcast. Let Dan us, just did an inside joke on a podcast. Yeah, we're going to leave it there. I don't that was exp- for four people. I don't want to explain it. Um, so uh, if, if you let us know what you guys think about cell cameras um, or all of our any, – any part of this miserable conversation of, of just ongoing fe- fishing, duck hunting, and deer hunting failures. Um, you got Brad, Dan, Jacob, and Braden on this show. Go to Go Wild, hit plus sign, log time, 
outdoor uh, log time podcast and then you'll find us there with uncensored thank you again to gunbroker.com for sponsoring the show all right guys we're out bye bye